This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Got a special episode of the podcast for you today. On the show is Leander Young from the Improv Exchange. And we had a fun little conversation uh, actually after I recorded a podcast for his podcast. And uh, just started talking jazz, started talking about playing music, learning how to play music, um, great jazz musicians, a whole slew of other things. I know you're going to have a lot of fun listening to this one, and you'll learn some things along the way. So let's crush this thing, and let's do it. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. What's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards. What musicians just like you learn how to play jazz all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Hey, like I said in the intro, we have special uh, musician on the show, drummer Leander Young. He also has a podcast called The Improv Exchange. You can check out that podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, just a great time talking to him, learning about what he's learned uh, from the guests on his podcast, as well as his career and his journey in music. So without further ado, here is my interview with Leander Young. All right. Welcoming on the show is professional jazz drummer and host of the show, the Improv Exchange. This is Leander Young. Thanks for being on the show, man. Thank you for having me, sir. It's yeah. a lot. It's great to have you. Um, so you have an awesome podcast, The Improv uh, Exchange, where you're interviewing, you know, professional musicians, right? And just asking them about their music, their life, what they do, all that good stuff. So I want to know a little bit just to start off, like you're you're a jazz drummer. How did you get started uh, playing music? Like what was the beginning of of, of that story there? The beginning of that story is pretty much my parents came home one day and gave me a drum set. Awesome. The end. Nothing glamorous about that part. Well, so I, when you got that it. drum set, something must have uh, triggered there. You like? Did they force you to play it, or was it like a love at first sight kind of a thing? More like a love at first sight. I'm not going to lie about that. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Was it jazz right away, or was it something else? My father was really big into jazz, and they had a lot of R&B groups growing up when he was growing up, so... Yeah. From like BT Express to LSD to like the Philadelphia Sound and all that stuff. They call it the Philly Sound. Yeah. Gotcha. So there's a lot of, you were listening to a lot of music back at home and, and all that stuff. Correct. Yeah. So did, what, did they, your parents have to um, force you to practice your drums when they bought it for you? Or were you kind of just like all in it right away? Banging I was at all it? in it. But I'll be the first one to say I had some moments where I was like, I don't want to practice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they will push me to practice and then it'll be good again. And then so it's like up and down moments. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still I feel like I still have that happen where I'm like, I don't feel like practicing. You know, <laughs> I feel like that still goes on. Um, that's awesome. So when at what point did you start going like getting more serious about like playing music and being a drummer? More serious is like when I was in high school, probably. 
Yeah. Where I was in the music, I was in the jazz band, I was in the marching band, I was in all that stuff. And then I had teachers that were pushing me to do the state exams in yeah. New York is Nisma. I am not sure about the other states, but yeah. And I was doing I was excelling on those. Gotcha. And mm-hmm. you grew up you you went to school in you grew up in New York, is that right? Yeah. Yes, for the right. most part, yes. Where, where exactly? Uh, I was in Brooklyn for a good while. Yeah. And then I was in Long Island. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So at what point were you like, hey, I want to make a profession out of being a musician? When did that like thought cross your mind? Well, it never really was my total thought because I always had other stuff I wanted to do. Yeah. I got into, when I was applying to colleges, my father made me apply to some universities. Surprisingly, I got into them. But then I was just like, I'm out to play soccer. Yeah. So I went to a college and played college <laughs> soccer. And then I somehow found myself in their jazz band. I beat out the guys that were majoring in music. Wow. Wow. So basically it was like a magnet. Just kept pulling yeah. you back in. Every time I tried to leave, it kept coming back. <laughs> How did the soccer go though? It went pretty good, believe it or not. I got far. I never, I think I drafted by the MLS, but I got tryouts overseas. Wow. That's impressive, man. Thanks, but as you can tell, that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Are you happy with the result? Are you happy that you're a drummer? I love being a drummer. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. What, what, what would you not like about it? <laughs> so, so talk about your career. Tell me about like what happened. You got, so you got back into the, the, the jazz. You got sucked into the jazz band in college. Yes. And then what and happened? Then, as I was graduating, I got my friends in this in the big band and I was like I took the ones I was close with this rhythm section obviously and the trombonist and the saxophone player who I knew from years ago because he went to music camp with me before and I'm like yeah we're gonna make an album yeah I didn't know what I was doing and I made some mistakes so then a year later we went to the studio and we made a full album yeah came out good I tried to shop it around and I learned the problems of that Right. Yeah. And then we did another one and then Downbeat was nice enough to give us a spread. Not wow. That's yeah. amazing. Hmm? How was what was that feel what was that like when did you reach out to Downbeat or did Downbeat reach out to you? Like, how did that go down? It was back and forth. Gotcha. Maybe me pushing them, but then yeah. they randomly called me one day like, Yeah, we're gonna do one for you. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And so mm-hmm. what after that? So touring gigging no that's the funny thing about it i think we're the first group ever downbeat to never do a tour interesting get in there nice and they did an album review for our fourth album and then we're going to release our sixth one digital only because it's not our favorite one so we don't want to pay for all that stuff the promotion and the marketing and all that stuff and is that what you're still doing? Are you still playing with that same group or? Yeah, we do it every now and then. Yeah, I have some, I fill in for other people all the time, but you know, that's my main project. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And do you do any teaching at all? Teaching? Not really. My gotcha. bandmates, they're professors. So one of them was in the Air Force band, the Royal band. Uh, one of them is two, no, one, two, Three of them are professors. I'm sorry. One is in the Air Force. One of the piano players always gigging in New York City. So you probably seen him and just didn't recognize him. So yeah. Which one is that? Andrew McGurn. Oh, I don't know him. Okay. Okay. Just thought I'd ask though. Cool. No, let's go. 
No, that's amazing. So I want to know, okay, so talk a bit, a lot of my audience, they're interested in just knowing like, how does one, like you're a drummer, but in more general terms, how does one start improving as a jazz musician? Like, what's your philosophy behind that? Like, what are the things that you were doing in the practice room and working on that helped you improve? One of the things you have to do is you have to listen a lot to yeah. all different genres of music. Another thing that I'm pretty sure you mentioned is sometimes you got to jump on the stage and play. And I have my thing that I don't like about some jam sessions, but you're not really going to improve unless you raise the quality of people around you. So if you have the opportunity to go to a big city or go to a big jam session and play with a veteran and trust me, most of them are very nice. They're going to work with you. You're going to improve. Right. Another thing you could do is know your theory. Interesting. Especially if you're playing. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about that. What, what's the importance of theory in your mind? The importance of the theory. Uh, well, from a percussionist point of view, you need to know the forms. But if you're like a bass player, if you're a key player, if you're just a reed instrument player or you're a blower, you have to know the chord changes, the percussion sides, the difference between a 251 or right. even if it's a tonal, even if it's just suspense 9 plus 11. You got to know the difference between all that stuff. Because sometimes in these jam sessions, people just bring up their charts and they want to test it out. And they're counting on you. And if you do good, that might open up the gig for you. Right. Mm -hmm. So I actually want to go back to that one a little bit. Because you, like, you were talking about the importance of going and playing with other people, right? Jam sessions or or whatever. Just going out and playing with other people who are, are essentially better than you, right? That's what you said? Yeah. Sometimes they're better than you. Sometimes, sometimes you're better not. than them. Yeah, you got to gotcha. get your name known. <laughs> <laughs> right. What are... I wonder what were some... Can you think of any times when you were at a jam session where that was a particular learning lesson, like something you learned or, uh, and is there any like examples of that, of how it played out for you? Well, good. I tell you a bad one first. It didn't happen to me. It happened to somebody else on the stage. Okay. <laughs> this guy wouldn't, they played, I think we were playing Spain and the guy didn't know the changes and he didn't want to use his ear to pick up the form. And he was playing stuff wrong, and it got to the point where somebody just whispered to him to, you know, my man, like, tapped him on the shoulder, get off the stage. Right. And that's one of the few times I've ever seen that. Right. And then the guy sat there the rest of the time upset, because I guess he thought he was sounding better than he really was. Got you. Interesting. So he didn't really know the tune, basically. He didn't know the tune. So lesson you know, lesson number 58. <laughs> make sure you know the, <laughs> make sure you know a tune that you're playing. <laughs> Because, you know, they call out the tune and all that stuff. And then, yeah, you oh, if you're a B-flat instrument, they're going to be like, so what key, you know? Yeah. Would well, you want to play it in? You, you got to know that. That's right. All. Right. Uh, something good that happened from it. I literally seen people after someone solo, everyone walks up to him. It's like, yo, give me a number. Give me a number. Right. And then he's on an album three weeks later. At jam sessions, I seen a guitarist that was jamming in D.C., she told, was telling the story on the podcast, how she really got into it. And she was just jamming. She was on her knees playing. And that led to her getting a gig with Kevin Ross, which led her to getting a gig with Beyonce. And Whoa. she's currently on, jo on tour, I'm sorry, with SZA. 
Wow. He's the female guitarist right now on that tour. Wow. That's, yeah. that's impressive. So just putting yourself out there is, is helpful. So outside of just the learning from being with others, right. From playing with other musicians, it's like, Hey, sometimes just putting yourself out there can, can lead to some good things. Yeah. And surprisingly that wasn't even at a jazz jam session too. Oh, it was really? just at a normal open jam session, which is why I tell people you need to know all styles of music. Oh yeah. Talk to me a little bit about that. So what is it? Um, talk to me about like other styles of music. What are different things that you can learn from other styles of music that will help your jazz playing or vice versa? When you're playing, when you're just playing your instrument, you got to remember you're playing for the audience. I know there's a time when you want to be on the stage and show off to the people on the stage, but the general people listening to your music are the people in the audience. You got to assume they don't really know as much as you in theory. Right. But you have to know the theory to make it sound mainstream. And I'm pretty sure you do you teach pop courses like their, their structure and a lot of songs? No, we don't really teach pop. No. Okay. Well, understood. But that's like something you would need to know. If it's something that switches up into reggae, you should know about that. Right. If it's that switches into, I don't know, even from rock to alternative. I wouldn't even say lo-fi because lo-fi is like four beats. I mean, four measures just being repeated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Like learning other styles of music, getting good at other styles of music are, it has a a, a, a multiplying benefit of improving even all it has like a bleed through of, of all your other styles too. So if you're working on getting really good at playing pop, right? It bleeds through into your other playing or whatever else you're trying to do too, because each style kind of has its, it has its own challenges within it. Right. And it also yeah. its own crossover skills. Would you not agree with that? I agree with that. 200%. You also have to learn your instrument. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Who were some of the folks that you studied with, with for, for drums? And they're not really famous, unfortunately. That's a no, whole lot of that I tell people. <laughs> some people make it big. Some people, not really. But if for any trombonist out there, Ray Anderson, he was someone I was taking theory with, and he's just a free jazz legend. <laughs> so just off him learning about non-structural music he helped me a lot on that. Cool. Mm-hmm. Funny thing too is like I, I you uh, led with going, oh, no one's famous. Sometimes I find that not always, but like great teacher and great musician don't always necessarily go hand in hand. Like I've I've studied, I've taken a lesson from like you know amazing like world class musician, and then found that they're they were very bad at actually trying to help me improve. Right. Um, but sometimes there is both, right. Sometimes that, but some, the, the most important teachers for me that had an impact on me were are uh, like, no one knows who they are, but they just had a huge impact, right. Whether it be just like they motivated me or they inspired me or like they actually taught me something that I was like, Whoa, I can actually do something with this. I know you yeah. agree with that. I agree with that. Yo-Yo Ma has a teacher still. Wow. Yeah. You know, Yo-Yo Ma's teacher. But Yo-Yo Ma has been going to the same person for like 15 years. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. And that's such an eye-opening thing when you say that, because it's like, you never stop learning as a musician, like, and the, you're never, uh, it's getting other people's perspective on your playing, no matter how good you are, is so important. 
Well said. I mean, like you said, some, just because you might miss something that someone else picks up. And if you fix that thing, you become how many times better? A hundred times better. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that. Cool. So I, I feel like I interrupted your list. You were like, the first thing you're like doing a good, you're like, the first thing you have to do is play with other people. The second thing you have to do is theory. Was there another one or did you have something else in line there? You have to master your trait. Even hobbyists get gigs. Yeah. There are a lot of people who play weekend gigs and bars and all that stuff and they get a good amount of money on the side. But what I was going on more was like the promotion, the business aspect of it. Oh, yeah. Where I more dive deep on in my podcast. Right. The gig. Right. That stuff. Got you. Talk about your podcast. So you have your, your podcast called The Improv Exchange, right? And when did you start the podcast? I started it three years ago. Three yes. years ago. What what made you decide to start it? A group of friends of mine that were in the jazz scene started out coming on just to talk about jazz, their negative experiences with the music and some positive, but more negative. <laughs> Bunch of jaded jazz musicians. Is that what it was? Jaded jazz, <laughs> and jaded jazz musician show. Off well to the fact that more established people want to come on. But even then, most of them are willing to talk about the problems they face. So we had Grammy winners come on and say their problems. We had Tony winners that came on and tell their problems. I think one of them won a Emmy. I'm not sure if it was he was nominated or won it, but he comes on and tells his problems. Yeah. When you say problems, like give me an example. I mean, curious. You know, their problems is something I wish I had. <laughs> so I can't complain about that. Like but, Emmy, Emmy award winning, Grammy award winning problems. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. But they talk about how they got the gigs, actual problems or situations they faced when they were in the studio, just the old days when they're gigging and how it actually is on the road. Like, do you know the Cherry Poppin' Daddies? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. Wait, are there, wait, describe their music to me again. Um, this guy, jazz, like yes. suit, suit, right? Suit, suit, right. Yes, exactly. They came on the podcast. The lead singer, Steve Perry, not the journey, Steve Perry. But right. Yeah, he came on and he was talking about just that whole thing about having a top 40 pop song, how many gigs you're doing, how exhausting that is. And in the process, how you're writing. So it's a, he talked about his lifestyle on that. We had like. O'Farrell came on. O'Farrell won, I think. Arturo O'Farrell, right? Yeah. Arturo O'Farrell. I'm sorry. Gotcha. He won, I think, three latin grammys and three jazz grammys and he was pretty much talking about his father his grandfather his legacy what he's trying to push with his grand and with his kids and that type of stuff he's bouncing it with teaching and how just uh what's the word right now what's a what's the word when it's like people move back into the neighborhood and it loses culture i'm forgetting it right oh, now gentrifying Identification, yes. How that ruins some music sometimes in certain areas. Because you were saying I was growing up in like Bushwick, how you would see on the weekends versus now. Right. Interesting. Yes. I actually went to school with his son, Zach, plays Zach. drums. You know Zach? <laughs> I know Zach and yeah. Adam. Yes, Adam Trumpet. Zach and Adam. Yeah. I I, I didn't don't know Adam as well, but I know Zach. Yeah, we went to school together. So Okay. Yeah. They, 
he's doing well. I, I have, he had, I think, two albums with his brother. I don't know if he had a third one. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I got to reach out to them to get them back, get them on, and get yeah. everything. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in forever. And it's, anyways, you, you said Arturo Farrell, and I was like, oh, I know his son. That's cool. What's a, what's one of your favorite guests that you talked to where you were like, wow, that was like you were just surprised or you just learned something interesting? Uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> like when Nathan East came on, Nathan East just kept dropping. Yeah, I was on that album. 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 And it's pretty much like any throwback 80s 90s radio show he was the bass player wow and he was talking about that we had some where there were literally downbeat critic poll winners and they're talking about their problems they faced that's something i wasn't expecting i had lewis hayes on lewis hayes played with cannonball played with coltrane he played with them and he's talking about his seed and how he the problems he had with jazz growing up also in that whole era. What were the problem? I'm curious what, when you say problems, what kind of problems was he having? The type of problems he was having was the, as you put it, like the gigs is what he seemed to face. Okay. And he was always, Miles always kept doing better than his group. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> like I never got to play with him, but we always talked on the phone, stuff like that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So you to hear like you're like interviewing these guys and getting all these amazing, interesting inside stories yes. from them. I also had people who came on who are killing it on Spotify, like 200, 300, 400,000 monthly views. I mean, listens, and they're just like how they want to get to the next level. And I'm like, you're doing better than some of the big name jazz people. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, listen, if there's one thing that I've learned about life is you just always want to get to the next level. <laughs> Whatever it is that you're doing, you always want to get to the next level. And then when you get to the next level, you still want to go up to the next level. So <laughs> well said on that. And that's how it works. And maybe that's a good thing too, because it's like that keeps you alive, keeps you like living with, you know, intention, I guess. But uh, that's for another podcast altogether. That's the uh, Living Life Great Podcast. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, like, yeah, give me. No, you got it. You got it. You were, you're going to say something. Like Jason Marshall, episode I just released, was talking about when he came into the city, how he got into the scene and what he did. We had, uh, well, Jeremy Pelt is just a classic person. I can't really mm. say it's better health him. But we have a whole bunch of artists that are currently on the seed from the Vanguard Big Band from recording all the time. <laughs> Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, cool. Yeah. I, that, that's a podcast. We'll definitely talk about how, where people can listen to your podcast, um, in, in a bit. So you did this to me on your podcast and I want to do it to you cause you really put me on the spot, but it was in a good way. <laughs> let's talk about favorite musicians, right? Um, let's start with drummers cause you're a drummer, favorite drummer of all time. You can only pick one, although you did give me a little break and let me pick one old and one new. So if you want to do that, then I will allow it on the podcast. But <laughs> favorite only drummer, drums, I will do that. Unfortunately, my favorite of all time is Buddy Rich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Buddy Rich. And I had people who came on the podcast, told me about playing with him. 
and there's stories with him, which kind of made me go, oh, but he's still my favorite. Sorry, Mr. Hayes, Louis Hayes. I love him, but, but he takes the crown for me. That's awesome. That's what I actually know. Um, I used to play with a musician who played with Buddy Rich. Um, his name is Don Hahn. He's a trumpet player. He played in his band at one point, and I think he lasted six or eight months before he quit. <laughs> I think quit the band. <laughs> yeah, that was very common, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and why don't I say Jeff Watt? Okay. He's just nasty. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, cool. Let's go to saxophonist mm. we're gonna go with the older one so i don't tick off my previous guest <laughs> <laughs> and i'm sadly gonna go with co-train sadly oh tell me why you're saying sadly I, that was the one i chose on your show too by the way yes was, i want to hear about that because i actually sort of sadly picked him too and but i want to know why you think it was sad <laughs> Because people would say he picked up everything off Parker. Oh, Parker, that's what they were. Okay. So, but I really like his My Favorite Things album. Of course. I really like Love Supreme. Those I listen to those two more than I listen to anything Charlie Parker. So right. I'm going to go train on that. See, I, on your show, I picked Train 2. But when you said sadly, I, I, I felt the same way about it, but for a different reason. And the re, cause I think I ended up backpedaling. I went to Hank Mobley because the reason is, is like, it's like everybody loves train. Right. But at the end of the day, I just, I still love train. It's like, if you're going to ask me like, like, I don't know, I, I like, I actually like a slightly, I like that era of Coltrane too, but I like, I really like his, the prestige, the miles stuff. I I just love I love listening to the way Coltrane approached like those standards. Anyways, different different eras of Coltrane, but agreed. Yeah, piano favorite piano. I'm gonna go with Herbie. Herbie, ooh, love it. Favorite album? I actually like a lot of the stuff he was back up backing up. Yeah, yeah, nice. Um, yeah, Herbie, that's a good choice. I, I think I said Winton Kelly on yours. It's yeah. hard with piano players. Cause it's like, it just depends on what I want to listen to. Right. It's like, sometimes I'm like, no, I want Bill Evans, but sometimes I just want to hear you play really bluesy beboppy lines. I, I don't know, but yeah, Herbie's a great he, choice. He did it well in pop also. So that's another reason why I have to lead it out. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Good point. Um, all right. We did. A trumpet trumpet that's i don't want it to say miles but uh, is it miles I, i'm gonna have to you know i give you two for that and as much as people hate it for me even saying this i'm gonna say miles and then i'm gonna say winton winton why, why would people hate that because you know winton stepped on the stage with miles and had right. that battle okay so some people thought miles was just an for that right i thought it was very entertaining gotcha <laughs> i love winton's uh i love the live at the house of tribes album you heard that one yes that one is that is such an amazing live performance it's like one of my favorite i wasn't there but as far as a record that has a live performance like that is so good like the way they play together is just intoxicatingly good yeah the stuff that he does, regardless of what people think of the man, that 
he's a class of his own. And the yes. fact that he won the Grammy in both classical and jazz, you I can't know. say anything about that. Man. That's the that's the part that blows me away. It's like you're playing both of those styles at the top level. Like that's crazy. I don't know. That's unbelievable. Um favorite bass player. Uh Nathan East. Sorry, everybody. Why sorry? Huh? Why why people are thinking more like Ray Brown? Paul Chambers, like you said, right? Even Christian McBride, but Nathan played on. He played with from Barry White, from Paul McCartney. He played with Paul McCartney, I think, too. He played with Eric Clapton. He played with BB King. He played with Michael Jackson. He played with pretty much anything Babyface produced. It's just I think his catalog had a bigger effect on the human population. Then Ray Brown and yes. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Hey, that makes sense. Um, okay. Last but not least, cause you asked me this one and I didn't have a good answer. Uh, trombone player, favorite trombone player. Mm. I could use the cocktail and use Ray Anderson. Or I could use Fred, uh, John Fredcock. Uh, but probably the most known one is one from the forties. Guess who it is? Uh, JJ? Yeah. Got it. Nailed it. Gotcha. Yeah, I give you that. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Love it. Um, well, hey, Leander, it was awesome having you on the show, talking a little bit of jazz. And uh, the Improv Exchange, I want people to go check it out. So where can they go learn more about it, listen to it? It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify. And it's a website, www.improvexchange, I'm sorry, I-M-P-R-O-V, exchange, E-X-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. I would have been nervous that I would misspell that. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping. <laughs> improvexchange.com. And uh, you can listen to the Improv Exchange wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, thanks for having uh, for, Thanks for being on, Leander. It was awesome. And uh, appreciate you, man. You know, likewise, man. It means a lot, okay? that's all for today's show thank you so much for joining us today again a big special thanks to our guest leander young for being on the show hey again if you need help with your jazz playing no matter what instrument you play you want to take your jazz solos your jazz comping your jazz bass lines you name it to the next level and you want to have a lot of fun doing it and you want to feel encouraged and motivated and supported along the way then you need to check out the learn jazz standards inner circle this is where we learn one new jazz standard a month this is where we have all the jazz courses that you could possibly need to fill in the gaps in your musical knowledge or work on specific areas of your jazz playing that you need to fine-tune, but ultimately to help you feel more confident playing jazz, more free playing music, and enjoying yourself to the fullest. So go to lgsinnercircle.com or click the link in the show notes or wherever you listen to podcasts in the show description, you'll find a link to check out the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. All right, my friends, we're going to be coming out with another great podcast episode next week. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. 
don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.